0: welcome to another amazing conversation on the pace and freedom a liberty caster podcast and i am your host james pace don't forget to like share subscribe this podcast which you can find on many podcatchers like apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify pandora and many more take the time to like me on facebook follow me on twitter or instagram find all the links in the description below my today's guest is dan taxationist theft berman libertarian candidate seeking the presidential nomination and we discuss his new american dream platform mexico and strategies to win hearts and minds towards libertarian principles of course make sure to check out my friends at liberty caster a network of content dedicated to be free and independent with five amazing podcasts and growing you can find news interviews talk shows and more Shout out to Torch News with Jake and Brandon, The Exchange Podcast with Kevin Warmhold, Radio Free New York with Kevin Wilson, Voice of Liberty with Henry, The Commander's Table with Ken Armstrong, and soon to be more shows for your independent and freedom fix. Before we get started with today's conversation, I want to talk about Cash App and how you can get $5 or more for free. Cash App is the easiest way to transfer and receive money between friends and family. You can also make purchases with your free Cash App debit card anywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. With Cash App, you can also purchase and sell stock in the stock market for as little as $1 with no fees. You can also purchase and sell Bitcoin. How to earn your free $5? Download the Cash App from your App Store and sign up using the referral code in the description below and $5 automatically goes onto your account. Want to earn more than $5? Refer your friends and family to sign up by inviting them from your Cash App, and for every one person that signs up, you earn $5 for free. Now, without further ado, enjoy this conversation. Welcome to Pace and Freedom Podcast, and my guest today I have been following since the beginning of his campaign and even before, and... A very interesting character and doesn't need much introduction but go ahead and give yourself a quick introduction and tell us what what you've been doing sure Uh, i'm dan
1: taxationist theft berman i was born in los angeles i moved to texas as fast as i could and now i'm running for president of the united states from down here in wonderful mexico you can see behind me um And, uh, yeah, I'm really fighting for freedom. I changed my middle name to Taxationist Theft because I really hate taxes. And fundamentally, I've been able to trace pretty much all of society's problems back to taxes, some sort of tax. Um, it's basically a type of government oppression. And, and, you know, we think of taxes as what we pay out of our paycheck or sales tax or things like this, but there's, there's really all kinds of hidden taxes in society. And you can think of, you know, the, the way that our freedom is taken away, um, you know citations or that sort of thing you can you can think of as taxes also uh so uh my philosophy is to get rid of those they're oppressive, they're uh not necessary in society, and uh, we need to move towards a more voluntary society um and that's going to lead towards more prosperity and happiness for everybody and I know it sounds absolutely utopian, but uh, I promise you it is actually possible, and it doesn't take huge changes, but we've seen what happens when the government shuts down and, and You know when the economy shuts down and all these other things, and it's really not that difficult to um, to change things. It's just that we're we're used to these habits of the things, the way things are, and it's it's
0: sometimes inconceivable to change them. But it's absolutely possible. Absolutely, and you know we've seen it happen time and time again, right? Like you said, the government shutdowns. We see the economy continue; it finds its it find a way to to continue. And now with this COVID thing where people, you know, businesses are shut down, people find a way to continue. I mean, it is difficult in the sense of, well, with this COVID-19 thing where businesses are not allowed to uh, be open, but the free market just finds a way to continue working. There's a lot of people started doing deliveries when they didn't used to do deliveries or they'll just behind the scenes continue working. Uh me and my wife, we went to a restaurant the other day and uh right next door to the restaurant was a hair salon and they pretty much kept their open sign turned off, had the doors locked and they just somebody showed up, they knocked on the door, the owner kind of looked, it's like okay, come on in. What's the password? Right, exactly. So that's the beauty of free market and just there's always a way. And we don't need government. We don't need to pay them fees to uh, survive. I mean, giving us thousand right. $1,200 $1, to survive, obviously, is not enough. So people and for always, most people, they've, they've taken more than that <laughs> over yeah. the last... Just, just in the first quarter
1: of the year, they've taken more than that. So it's... Exactly. Yeah.
0: It seems like one way or another, free market always is the solution at the end and not government. So... Yeah, uh, it's an to pay these these ridiculous uh, fees, which we call taxes.
1: Yeah. And this is so so I have this um, this plan called the New American Dream, and it really revolves around this idea that, um, you know, we have I mean, we're paying all these taxes. It's absolutely insane. Eighty seven percent of America is in debt um, because we've you know, we buy our homes. This is insane. the The average American buys their first home when they're 30 years old the loans are always 30 years so basically you're you know you're in debt until you're almost old enough to retire and if you're lucky enough to pay that off um your social security is just barely going to pay or pay the property tax and and if you can't pay the property tax they're going to take your home away from you um it's it's absolutely insane and we live on this system of debt and we can't pay off the debt because the government's taking all the money before we have an opportunity to pay off that debt um it's absolutely insane and and you know when we look at this, we we absolutely can have more sustainable, self-sustainable lives, um, but we're just paying so much in taxes that it, it prevents us from ever getting there.
0: Exactly, it's like, and I, I heard you say this before in other podcasts, and even on your own podcast, it's like we're basically paying rent, continuously paying rent. Mm-hmm. We we don't really own the land, uh, even though we sh- we're supposed to. In theory, that's the idea. Right. And, uh, the government forcefully takes it away from us because we don't, we're not paying, uh, the rent essentially.
1: Yeah. And it's, and, and think about it too. Cause like, d- depending where you are, I mean, property tax is anywhere from like one to 3%, which doesn't sound like a lot, right. Compared to like 40% that they take out of our paycheck. But here's the right. thing. If you, if you buy a house uh, and you get a 30 year mortgage, if you're paying three percent property tax, you have to buy back the house every three years, which means over that course of 30 years to pay off the loan, not only have you paid the bank the price of the house, you've paid them the price of the house in interest, and then you've paid the government the price of the house in tax. And then if you want to keep that house for another 30 years or you wanna you wanna pass that to your children, even if there's no inheritance tax, which which you know they're always trying to get, you pass that to your children, right. well, they have to continue to work because they have to buy that house back from the government every 30 years. Uh, it's, it's absolutely insane.
0: It is. And uh, I've known people, um, people in my own family that have lost their property because they weren't able to afford the tax, even after the, the, the home was completely paid off.
1: Yeah. It, it's and And then you just get robbed because, you know, you have you know, let's say a hundred thousand dollars in this house and the government comes and takes it away and sells it at auction because you're a thousand dollars behind on your, on your property tax. And you know, they they don't just say, Oh, well, here's 99,000. We'll take the thousand and apply it to the tax and sell it for a hundred. They auction it. Um, somebody comes along and takes advantage of that and and they might, they might buy the house for $10,000 and you get, you've spent 20, 30, 40 years paying off this house. Putting every you know, working forty hours a week, spending most of your money not having any disposable income because you're putting it all into this house, all to pay off this mortgage, right. and then all of a sudden you lose everything just because you were a thousand dollars behind. It's it's absolutely insane. It's it's highway robbery or homeway <laughs> <laughs> robbery or property right. So it's something like that.
0: Right. No, and I don't know, it's it's ludicrous to me that people just accept this as a norm right right like, and still try to to say oh well, i own my own home uh it's mm-hmm. it's Nobody uh knows. oxy it's an oxymoron so you mentioned the new uh american dream we'll get into that here in a little bit but you're living in mexico what part of mexico again
1: so i'm in the yucatan peninsula so around Can- cancun i'm a little bit further south actually beautiful mm-hmm. area yeah we're right across from florida cuba jamaica um right in the caribbean so it's it's really it's really nice down here
0: absolutely and you know a lot of americans will criticize mexico about people coming over here to the united states migrating because things are so bad in mexico right and there is a lot of bad stuff that happens in mexico and The economy is not the greatest, but one thing I can say about Mexico. And again, I have ties um, in Mexico. My wife is from Mexico and we, anytime we go over there, I just, I, I can't wait to move over there. My, my plan is once I retire, I'm going to, I'm living in Mexico. I'll buy uh, a nice home and uh, the rest of my life there not working and maybe continue podcasting, who knows. Uh, (laughs) But I mean, when I go there, life seems very different from the United States in the sense that it's a lot more laxed. There's a lot more free market going on. And even any, even the healthcare system, it's so much simpler, just paying a doctor to take care of you it, it doesn't get any simpler than that. And yeah, it's cheap. It's relatively cheap. Uh, Absolutely. It's yeah, it's there. There is a lot more freedom
1: in so many different ways. I mean, like there's there's little things like um, uh, if you, uh, you know, let's say you're drinking alcohol um, in the US at a restaurant and you don't want to like it would be irresponsible to just chug the rest of a bottle of wine. Or something right so you right. want to take it home that's illegal um in mexico you're you're totally allowed to do that in most places right. um there's you, you know like you, you can walk down the street with your bottle of wine out of a restaurant and nobody's going to stop and harass you um there's uh as far as building permits i know people who have who have built their own homes and it, some of it comes down to you know the government just not having the infrastructure to have enough police to, to regulate everybody um, but you know, when people are just building their own homes, they'll do it without permits and, and the government really doesn't do much. Sometimes they'll get a notice on the side of their building, but they'll take it down and throw it away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, it, it's so much easier for people to, um, open small businesses like, you know, these little, the, these little carts, um, whether they're taco carts or, or Helotus carts, right. um, there, there, y- there's just so many opportunities. Um, and you know, it's, it's, uh, the government really, I mean, yeah, they're there. Yeah. They do tax and, and, and they do create problems, but, um, you know, it, it is so much easier, um, whether you're playing by the rules or not. And that's another thing. So many people just don't play by the rules because they know that the government has no business requiring licenses for, for all these things or charging taxes for, you know, all these things. They, they understand that the government is really just trying to rob them. Um, They really do. And, and that's, um, that's something that I think, you know, that used to be part of the American spirit and, and we've completely lost track of that.
0: Absolutely. A lot of Americans, again, will think of Mexico and they think of it as a very poor country economically. And I put a lot of thought into this, right? Where I contribute that to the United States and it's drug war and it's, free trade policies and it's uh border enforcement right and customs enforcement all these things is what's keeping in my you know in my thought process the latin american countries being uh, poorer than than us well
1: yeah i was gonna say you know like as far as trade goes there's Um, Okay, things like laptops and everything are more expensive because they charge import taxes, um, which is something we don't have to deal with as much in the United States. Um, But a a lot of these are there because, you know, government greed, but also because, you know, when they see whenever the whenever the United States, um, you know, says, hey, we're gonna we're gonna make our our border a little bit tougher. Um, Mexico says, you know, well, that's offensive to us. We're going to make our wall a little bit tougher um, because they understand like they're, they're creating a trade war. Um, right. They know like, Oh, so, you know, we, we bring all this food from Mexico into the United States and then we bring other, you know, uh, more technological things from the United States into Mexico and um and so whenever we start charging taxes saying no we want to grow our own food here then then mexico's like well we're going to charge taxes on your products so that you can't send your products here which basically you know it's it, 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 i don't want to take mexico's the mexican government's side on that but they're not hurting america as much as they're hurting their own people in right. the same way as when the united states government says we're not going to allow your fruit in um, they're hurting the American people more than than they're hurting uh, the Mexican government. Um, so th- th- there's really a lot of that going on, and and yes, it does it does do that, but it's it, you know it it it, prevent, it makes goods more expensive and the cost of living more expensive and everything else. But there is also you know there's a lot of it has to do with information and education, right? Because um, you know there are a lot of people who who don't have a lot of money. They they grew up in poverty and they don't have the education to you know they don't know how to start businesses they don't know they don't understand much about technology or modern businesses in order to to you know go out and, and do a startup business the way a lot right. of americans have learned to do um so a lot of that is information and education but again if you're putting up barriers between these countries um i mean imagine if you know if if uh, I mean, just look at the entire United States, right, right. Information spreads and it 's not all coming from public schools because they have public schools in Mexico too, um, right. and they all teach kind of the same sort of thing. But the information about like how do you start up a business this usually comes from entrepreneurs and they teach each other and and there's um, there 's a lot of information that you can learn outside of school from from other people teaching and that information it usually you know people travel around they go all over to all the different states. But for some reason, it just kind of stops at the border. It doesn't always go to Canada or Mexico, or, or sometimes it does, but not as much. And mm-hmm. why is that? And it's yeah, it doesn't seem like it's that difficult to get a passport and travel, you know, across borders and everything else. But then you have additional regulations to deal with. Is that country going to allow me to set up a business there and, and run my business? And you know, all these things come into play. And if you were to completely eliminate these borders to where you know somebody could just travel somewhere and start educating, we'd actually be able to get that information across, um, you know, to so many more places and, and really educate the world and bring them up so that they're able to, to rise themselves out of poverty.
0: Absolutely. I've talked to people in the Mexican government about one particular thing. And here in the United States, we have the two major parties, right? They, they pretty much are the ruling class or the ruling um entity and in mexico there's a bunch of parties all in government right and i see that as a good thing i don't know how you've seen it how it works there in mexico um i've been i actually got to go to the actual senate uh the federal senate and to see offices with all these different parties is quite interesting because it makes it where it almost seems they're keep trying to keep each other or either, it can go either two ways, right? They're either doing things that are not supposed to be doing and helping each other with the corruption, or they're trying to keep everybody accountable. The other thing I noticed with that is that there's only one term limit, right? For uh, president there. If I remember correctly which makes it where the president has to do everything they have uh, have to do um, right away. They are not seeking for re-election. So whatever they need to get right. through, they need to get through it then. And same thing with the Senate. I believe they only have, I believe it's two or four term limits for, for the Senate. So again, they're not there for the long haul and they're not trying to um, create this Long-term business to stay into stay in office, uh, right?
1: Yeah, it's it, it's really interesting. I mean, there's uh, a lot of different ways to look at it. You, you hear um, usually usually people get excited whenever they hear bipartisanship in in the U.S., but it's like no, it just means they're working together uh, yes. to screw you over. Um, I mean, we we have so many parties in the United States, but we have. You know, the big two basically have a partnership, which is an alliance, which is basically we're going to keep everybody out of this. Um, those guys give so much money to the American media that the American, they, they can literally tell the American media, don't, you know, don't show candidates from other parties, only talk about us. And they'll do it because they knew if they don't, well, hey, these, these parties and their candidates can pull, you know, millions of dollars of, of advertisement and move it to to every other network except for yours. Um, right. they, they really do have that kind of control. And, you know, we hear bipartisanship like, oh, wow, things are going to get done because they're going to be working together. But it's like, no, they're they always working together and right. they're working together to keep our options away from us. So we don't hear about these parties. I mean, we have in, in our um, in our national um, uh, presidential debates, we have this, you know, this debate commission that, you know, they always say, oh, yeah, well, if, if anybody can pull 10 percent or uh, I think it used to be five percent um, you know, we'll let them into this debate and somebody hit 5% and they were like, Oh, we better change that. So then they right. changed it to 15. And then uh, I think Gary, or sorry, they changed it to 10 and then Gary Johnson got 10 and they, mm-hmm. and they changed it to 15. And then, you know, while they were changing it to 15, they were like, Oh, that poll doesn't count. Or it has to be three polls in a row. Or like, you know, they were playing all these games and really that number's just there like to make us think that they're going to give it. So, you know, so anybody it's it's weird they give us they give us the tools we need to to prevent actual change from happening to to shoot ourselves in the foot right. so they tell us like oh yeah it's right here all you got to do is pull this number and so anybody who tries to get into this in, into this election you know the any any opposite anybody who says we we have a we absolutely have freedom of choice this is american democracy all they have to say is we have that we right. we do they just have to get 15%. If they can't get 15%, they're not going to win the election anyway. So what's the point? But that's a stupid way of thinking. Of course, they're not going to win because most of America is not going to see it because the the polls that ask people who are actually paying attention to politics, um, you know, th- like we have to understand there are people who just don't pay attention to politics at all. Of course, if you poll them, they don't even know who's running, right? right. But um, if, if you poll the people who are interested and who are following and they say, oh, there's a third party running, yeah, I'll vote for that guy. Um, then then you have those poll numbers, but then if they say, Oh yeah, that's you know, the, the that's irrelevant or it's not high enough, or you know, they, they give these impossible figures, then they're they're really just saying, Yeah, we're working together to keep everybody else out. Right. And and that's unfortunately the system we have. So whenever you hear bipartisanship, you should really just cringe <laughs> because that means they're both about to screw you over equally.
0: Right. And I I honestly believe we need to figure out a way. I think if we can break that, that system and get the libertarian party in there and all these other parties, I've talked to uh, Dennis Lambert, who's one of the candidates uh, running for um, the green party on the presidential uh, for the presidential nomination. And, you know, we, we talked extensively of what it would be like if we could have, you know, the Republican democratic um, green party, libertarian party, all in offices in the Senate and the, in Congress and um, all these localities and how we would just keep each other accountable. It would just be a game changer. There's
1: a couple systems out there. I think Costa Rica has a system where like you don't vote for, you don't vote for, I think it's like, you know, parliament or something. You don't vote for the members. You vote for a party. And then whatever share the party gets, so let's say ten percent voted libertarian, that means ten percent par- of, the, of the parliament is going to be libertarian. Um, if twenty percent was green party, twenty percent is going to be is going to be green party. And I, I think you know basically, so they do that, and then they go to the party and they say, okay, you know you've got ten percent of the parliament. Let's say it's a hundred people. That's you've got ten people. Give us your ten people, and they just let the party decide who those ten people are going to be. Um, and, and yeah, and I'm, I I might've butchered that a little bit, but that's kind of what it is. And then I I think sometimes what they do is, um, I was talking to someone in Australia and they have a system where, um, they, they do the same kind of thing for the presidential race. And then there's like, whoever's, um, basically team captain of, of the party. If that party wins, then that party's, that party's you know, team captain is basically the the president right. um, for, you know, for that period. So yeah, there's a lot of really interesting systems out there. And, you know, I, I think everybody's, everybody looks at these systems, right? And they're always, you know, because we have the electoral college, and a lot of people want to get rid of that. Everybody looks at these systems by looking at the numbers and saying, well, if we, if we would have gotten rid of the electoral college, my guy would have won. And that's really the wrong way we have to look at it. We right. have to look at it as, you know, what's really going to, like you said, get more different parties and different opinions in there um, to hold each other accountable. And, you know, yeah, we might not always win. And, of course, the guy who's the guy who wins doesn't right. want to change the system, right? Um, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Like uh, when Hillary lost, right? All the people who were going for Hillary were like, yeah, if we would have gotten rid of the electoral college, she would have won yeah and if you got rid of the electoral college then everybody who voted for trump would be complaining well they only won because they got rid and you know it's you're the loser is always going to be pissed off and the winner is always going to be happy um and we we have to stop looking at our system in terms of that but at the same time we have to stop thinking of the president as somebody who should have all this power because ultimately, exactly. you know, the, the, the president should have so little power. It doesn't matter who they are. And then, you know, who cares Win or lose, it doesn't really matter. It's not that right. big of a deal. Um, and it never really was. That's, that's really the fascinating thing. You go back a hundred years, nobody really cared about the president of the United right. States um, because the, the federal government was, was very small. Most people never dealt with it or knew it existed. Um, it was there for, you know, states' rights cases or individual rights against the state and, and, you know, that sort of thing every once in a while. But for the most part, it was, you know, most people did not have any dealings with it. Whereas today, just about everybody does. Um, right. If you have a driver's license, that driver's license is regulated by fe- federal law. Right. Um, if you go to the airport, everything's regulated by federal law. Um, the, the TSA and everything else, your phone's like, all these like everything um, right. you're paying federal taxes on, on so many things that you, you're paying federal taxes on the gas that you buy. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. You're paying, uh, how could I forget this federal income tax? <laughs> right. Um, none of this stuff used to be there. The, the, and, and what's interesting is if you read the U S constitution, it says that the government is allowed to tax the States. It doesn't right. say anything about taxing the people. Right. And so we never dealt with the federal government. The states did. And that's right. okay because the states went to the federal government and signed a contract and said, we want to join your club and we're willing to pay those taxes. Right. It's no different than like, you know, when you buy a house and there's an HOA attached to it and you sign the HOA contract. Right.
0: And as you mentioned, like a hundred years ago, they didn't deal with the federal government much. They didn't really deal with their state government a whole lot either. It was mainly community gov- uh Right. Ran little social you know villages that handled things at that level um you know everything from deciding uh what was just uh in certain criminal cases to even civil cases right and things were a lot simpler and they ran pretty well on their own without any federal assistance or any state assistance Right. Handle it at the local level. With yeah, and that just all bloat yeah. and waste. <laughs> yeah. Uh I would like to see, and I don't know where you stand, and then after we talk about this, we'll jump to uh the the new American dream and something else that you have coming up that I'm excited about. I'll let you give the introduction to it. Uh by the time this episode comes out, it would already pass, but I'm assuming people are gonna be able <laughs> to go and look back at it, right? Um right. And, but with that said, what I wanted to uh, get at is with the Libertarian Party, and this is something that I kind of had some personal experience with, is I don't feel that the Libertarian Party is putting enough resources and enough effort into those local down ballot um, offices, right? Right. I try to run for city council here in San Diego and I got no assistance whatsoever from the Libertarian right. party. I had to try to do it on my own. When I did ask for some assistance, they're like, Oh, well, you know, we're kind of scarce in resources. Uh, we, there's not much we can do. We can spread the word. We'll just spread the word that you're running. Well, you can right. spread the word amongst, you know, put it out a newsletter to libertarians and, Yeah, they'll be great and delighted that they have a libertarian running for city councilman. But that's where it stops. There's only, uh, you know, about a thousand to two thousand libertarians in all of San Diego. Um, And that I might exaggerate that number right now. Uh, That's not going to get me elected. So because I'm only running in one small district, and I think in my district there was only I think it was like something ridiculous number of 32. So I can't win in my district with 32 people. So yeah, they know about it, but how are you going to help me get everybody else to know about it?
1: Right. And it's not, it's not just registered libertarians that are going to vote for you. Um, So I I learned that when I ran, Um, I, I, uh, I ran in San Antonio for, for uh, the Texas house. There weren't that many libertarians in my district, but I ended up getting a few thousand votes which was 23% of the, of, um, of the total. Um, this was in a two way race against a Democrat. Um, but this was in an area where the Republicans won't even run anybody because, you know, it's, it's extremely blue. Um, so it's, it is really interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, there's I could go a couple different ways on this because, you know, I've, I've, tried uh, to work with a lot of candidates um, over the past several years. Um, with the McAfee campaign, we had a thing called Vote Different, uh, where we were trying to help uh, uh, down-ballot candidates. Um, right now, I have a SWAT team, which we're calling them cross-ballot candidates. And it really is difficult because with the Libertarian Party, you actually have a lot of paper candidates or you know, people who just want to put their name on there. And then you have the candidates who are willing to put in work. But then you also have the party who's, you know, doesn't really have a whole lot of resources, like you said, to share and the resources that they do have, they don't really like to share. And, and it's kind of understandable because I've been through this too, where it's like, okay, you, you have resources, you don't want to waste them on paper candidates. And it's really difficult to see who's, who's the real candidate and who's not. So, um, you know, this is, and this is something I'm, I'm trying to change with my taxation and theft organization, um, is really to, um, uh, you know, really try to try to almost create something that's kind of like a pack, um, but something that's really going to help these candidates um, with with all kinds of resources. We're building media networks. Um, you know, we're we're uh, we're we're building communication networks where we're getting ideas across and and we're giving people different platforms. Um, we have some of the technology. So, uh, you know, in and, and graphic design and video and, and websites and everything else that that candidates really need. So serious candidates, we can really help out with that um but of course it's it's really difficult because we're also not talking about career politicians here we're not we're talking about average joe's which is really who we should be electing but right. at the same time that means they typically don't have the skill set and the training so that's another thing that we're we're trying to put together um is you know we we really want to be um the organization that says hey if you're going to run a serious campaign let us Let us give you all the resources. It doesn't matter what state you're in. Don't depend on your state party. Don't depend on the national party if If you're a good candidate, if you believe that taxation is theft that's that's really our only criteria um then you know we'll we will help you with all of the resources that we have because we want you to be another voice that's that's helping us to push this same message because we right. understand that real change like winning elections will happen along the way. But real change doesn't come just because you're able to win an election. That doesn't right. matter. We need to change the society that we live in because the, society, the the government that we have is always the government that society wants, whether they actively go out and seek it, whether they vote for it in uh, uh, out of a misunderstanding of what they're actually voting for, or whether they're just dismissive and I don't care, let whatever happens, that's what they're going to get. They get what they deserve or what they want or what they vote for or right. don't vote for. Um, And the only way really to change that is to get people to understand that we cannot expect government to come in and solve our problems because whenever they offer anything, it's just a scam. It's just a way for them to steal more from us with the promise that they're going to give us something else. And it never works out and we have to stop, stop listening to that. So a lot of this comes down to getting that message across and getting people to understand and change their minds about what government is. And once they do that, then they'll recognize hey i'm going to vote for these people who have been saying this you know all along that that you know government is bad and we should stop asking we should get rid of a lot of these programs that are actually creating waste and causing more damage than good
0: right i think that comes from down ballot candidates right they're the ones that are at that local level that can reach the people they are part of these small towns or these uh districts they know the people there and they either grown up there or lived for years there they have that capability i think you know and i think with your help as you said with your organization to kind of train them and give them the the skill sets to know how to run a campaign how to to communicate better i think they would be able to change society at that local level and i think that's what the way libertarians start need to start looking at this and not focus so much on the uh, federal Level, It feels like to me that libertarians focus so much on what libertarian senator can we get into the Senate? What libertarian congressman can we get in there? What libertarian president we can get in there? And I, I don't think it's going to change much in society. Well, uh, those I think of- a lot
1: of that comes from the expectation of, of, you know, they're actually out there trying to get votes um, and, and they want to play the political game. The, the same as everybody else. Oh, let me go to this city and tell them what I'm going to do for them. And, and you know, when you're playing that game, yeah, you're, you're not, like I said, you're not going to create libertarians, You're not going to get people thinking freely or, or thinking about how to be free. So I don't think it's necessarily bad that they're running federal candidates. Of course I'm running for president. Right. Um, but Like it is, it is important that uh, I I think all aspects should be helping. And and I think what's really important too is like, you know, when you run a a local candidate who's, let's say you're running for mayor and you have somebody who's running for governor of that state and you have somebody who's running uh, for president of the United States, when you have the three of them together um, and they go on an interview together, so they go to the city, right? Which is the lowest common denominator. You go to that city with the presidential candidate and the uh, gubernatorial candidate and you, you do an interview on like the morning show or something together or you create an ad together and that ad goes out on, you know, YouTube or you buy some airtime for it. That has such a bigger impact because you're first, you're hitting them with three candidates. You're letting them know that this isn't just like some one single crazy guy who thinks he's going to win an election. There's actually a team of people working it, it creates the um, um, uh, it, it creates the impression that, that this is bigger than you know what people traditionally think it is when they see you know oh it's just some guy you know going door to door knocking what kind of candidate has the time to go knocking door to door? He must not, he must be a nobody. He must be, he's not going to get any votes this way, right? How many doors can you actually knock on? You're not going to That's win. what happened to me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, and it makes sense. Like people aren't stupid. They know like, right. okay, if you knocked on a thousand doors today and you knocked on a thousand doors tomorrow and like out of a thousand people, maybe 10 of them were at home, you're going to get a couple hundred votes and you're going to get 5%. And you're not going to win. Like they, they're, they're not stupid. Um, but it's like if if you were to partner up with some other candidates and serious candidates who had who had a little bit of resources to say you know hey we're going to be on YouTube and like people oh man they 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 don't give enough credit to social media right um because as as an entrepreneur and a marketer like I've been advertising on social media for years and it really is very inexpensive and it's it's it gives you a much better return on investment than tv commercials and and a lot of libertarians are stuck in this idea of like oh yeah social media is just people typing on the internet and and it's it doesn't relate to the real world that's not true at all there are huge corporations dumping billions of dollars into advertising on google and facebook because it works, right. um, and and it's so much more uh, targeted, and you get better responses than just blasting crap all over TV and the radio, which you have no idea how many people are even seeing it. Um, you know, so so you know we have all these other strategies that we can do to reach more people and get that message across. And but here's the thing: if everything is just all scattered all over the place, you've got one guy running for a city government, one guy running for a state government, one guy right. running for president, and none of them are working together. Then it's like everybody's spending their own money and they're hitting different people. Whereas if the three of them combined together and really went after one city, they could turn that entire city into a libertarian utopia um, because they're all combining their resources and they're, they're able to hit harder with, with that same message because repetition is very important. If somebody sees um, if they see the local candidate once or twice, and then they see the gubernatorial candidate twice, and then they see the presidential candidate twice, they've seen three different people twice. But if those three people teamed up, they would have seen those three people six times. Right. And that when when you see the same thing six times, that leaves a much bigger impression than seeing one guy twice and another guy twice and another guy twice.
0: Right. And so we, we, I mean, this is yeah. not a new concept either. No. I mean, we've seen it with the Free State Project. It was really successful. They've done similar kind of tactics. I don't see why we're not doing this. I know a lot of the presidential candidates like yourself have reached out to local uh, down ballot candidates and try to get them to work together. Uh, But I mean, it seems like we're working with libertarians. It's like one of my guests have said is like herding cats. And we are always trying to out libertarian each other. We're always trying to do these purity tests against each other. Um, And I don't feel like we'll ever be able to work together if we continue doing those things, we need to find a way. And I think that comes from leadership that we, I, I don't know. I feel that we don't have in, in the party itself.
1: Yeah. I was, and
0: that, that's honestly why I'm doing what I
1: do in an outside organization. And not that it's a bad thing. Um, you know, the, the, the party is what it is. I think the party is great for, uh, you know, dealing with governments, getting ballot access and all these other things. Right. Um, they're not that great when it comes to marketing and messaging and education, because that's not really what they're there for. Um, right. and so that's where I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to build something even bigger, um, that works with them, not inside of the party, but, um, with the party, um, to, to create all this information and, and, and everything else. Um, and help candidates and, and create some of this organization so that we can, we can use the party and their ballot access and and everything that they work hard to, to build. Um, and we can do our own thing. And if we're, you know, if, if the people in the party, like what we're doing, we'll work together. Um, a a lot of what I see in the libertarian party is a lot of people saying, yeah, we should be doing this. We should be doing that. We should, you know, all these things. And, and (laughs) what do they say? You could shit all over yourself, but like, so do something like we right. don't have a lot of people who are actually just saying, Hey, I'm going to actually do it. Like nobody else is going to do it. I'm going to do it. Right. Um, and they just sit there keeping their fingers crossed like somebody else is going to do it. And so I, I, I basically got tired of waiting and right. said, no, I'm going to actually do this. I'm going to put this together. Um, and you know, lead by example. And I think we've done an amazing job. We've built an amazing team. Um, and we've got some really awesome projects coming together that, um, uh, that, uh, you know, over the next, it's difficult to say. I mean, yeah, this campaign does not end in 2020. Yeah, and, you know, like, like, I know you're, I know you criticize running as, as president, but at the same time, like, even as I'm running for president, we're, we're reaching people all over the world. I've, I was, I made a post earlier today, uh, because this, uh, this other project you were talking about, um, we have people in, I'm looking at the map, people sign on to our website from Iraq. Right. Like, and, and like, these are people who want, they want freedom. They're coming to us saying, hey, teach us about freedom. Um, Mexico, South America, every continent is on this, is on this map of people who are coming to this event this weekend. And it's, it really is amazing. So it's, it's almost like running for president is not as big, but of course, you know, the the question is always asked, well, why do you think you should be king of the United States as president? <laughs> and that's not what I see the role of president is. I'm a problem solver and I want to teach freedom and running as president gives me kind of a platform to spread that. But really this information is going around the world. We're not stopping there. Right. Um, so this is going to be a huge international movement and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're already reaching so many people, but if we can inspire more people and if we can create this, this, you know, we're doing it, instead of like saying they should do this, we're doing it. And whoever wants to join us is welcome to join us. And if somebody thinks we could do it, like it could be done so much better a different way. We encourage other people to start their own movement and do that because that's, that's really kind of what's missing. Like we're, we're missing that, like the, you know, the entrepreneurship, the free market thing, you know, stop, you know, it's, it's, it's not exactly about money, right? It's not like starting a business, but if you have an idea, Take the idea to the market, create it and see how people respond to it. Maybe you'll do better than what we're doing. Maybe you'll have a better idea. Maybe you'll, you'll, um, you'll lead it better. Um, there's so many, so many different conditions, but bring it to market and let the market decide. And and we're talking about ideas because the market, we know the market works with ideas just as well as it works with products and services.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about your project. What do you have coming up this weekend?
1: So this weekend is Taxationist Theft Fest 2020. Um, it's, this, is our, this is the first year we're putting this together. So, and because of COVID-19 and all this craziness that's going on, it's going to be a virtual event. Um, but if you go to the website taxationisttheftfest.com, uh, you can register for free and we're actually going to, uh, it starts tomorrow. I know people aren't going to hear this until All after right. <laughs> it's so, over, but everything will be recorded um, and we will we will have everything back up uh, so that you can watch the, the, the events. But we've got over 40 speakers. Uh, it's going to be going on for two days, 12 hours a day, two simultaneous streams. Uh, so if you don't like one speaker, you can tune into another one. It really is absolutely amazing. And it, it's kind of funny that we put this together. I was kind of sick of listening to, you know, the libertarians argue about like, "Well, are we going to have a virtual convention? Are we going to meet in person? Are we going to do this? All these, Oh, we can't figure out how to plan this and everything else. I was like, let me see what I can plan in four weeks. So we, we literally started planning this four weeks ago. We started promoting it three weeks ago. Um, we had all of our, um, most of our speakers two weeks ago and we've, we've had our schedule finalized, uh, this week. Um, and it's it's really just been amazing. We have some really high profile people. We've got Joe Bannister who was the he's the ex IRS agent. Uh he quit back in the 90s when he heard that there's no law that says you have to pay income tax and he challenged that. He looked for it and he's like I can't find it. People aren't supposed to pay income tax. So right. he quit and he's been fighting the IRS and he's been winning. And um he's he's an amazing guy. He really knows that, you know, nobody's really supposed to be paying the income tax and he's been out there sharing that information. Um and um he's, he's going to be there. He's going to be speaking about that. We've got Dave Champion who wrote, um, the, I've read several books on why you don't have to pay income tax. And he's got the best one that goes through all the laws and explains it letter by letter. Um, and really makes it easy to understand. Uh, and then, um, we've got Paymon, who works. He created the freedom law school, which, uh, basically, uh, this This started decades ago, but there was you know basically when people were like that can 't be right. there has to be a law that says you have to pay income taxes. This guy was like, "No, that law doesn 't exist i 'm going to in fact i 'm going to give out a reward and it started out as fifty thousand then it went up to a hundred thousand and now it 's at three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. If you can find the law that says the average American has to pay income tax, he will give you three hundred thousand dollars and nobody 's claimed that since he 's going to be there speaking as well um, we 've got we 've got so many other speakers we've we 've got um, uh, John McCaskey is going to be teaching, uh, very, uh, basic introductory gun safety, how to take rifles apart. Uh, you know, all, all kinds of other stuff. He's got a military background. Um, so, you know, that, that should be really fun. Uh, we've got, um, uh, cannabis grow, who's going to show us around their grow and teach us how to grow cannabis. Oh, wow. Um, and this is, it's a legal dispenser, a, a legal grow operation out of Colorado. So don't anybody start calling <laughs> the police. Um but yeah there's there's just so much into this and really the the idea is we want people to be able to go and learn information that they're going to be able to use in their real life Um, we've got people talking about homeschooling how to get married without government uh government licenses um there's really just it's so much so much information um and we want to we want to make this an in-person festival but for this year especially because of COVID 19 um, and, and also because we know not everybody can always afford to travel and go to these things. So even when we do make this in person, we're, we're going to make a huge effort to make sure that it's always available online for free.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And so I'm assuming this will stay up, like the website will pretty much stay up forever and every year it's going to pretty much update. And this is going to be uh, a That's resource for, for a lot of people. And yeah. And you know, I wish I would have known that you helped other candidates, you know, ahead of time. Yeah, I could have gone to you for some assistance. Yeah, we
1: <laughs> we call it a we call it a SWAT team and you're you're absolutely welcome to join. Um if are are you still running or is that in I, the past? It's in the past. I lost. <laughs> well Um, you're, you're still welcome to join and, and, you know, if you want to help share your experience with other people, um, or if you just want to get prepared so that, you know, when, when the election cycle comes around again, uh, you know, you're a little bit more prepared and better connected so that we can, we can get you in there and do even better. Um, you know, that's what it takes. I mean, this is the thing, this is my, uh, what, this is my second time running, I guess. Um, and You know, like I said, this campaign doesn't end in 2020. This is going to be something that's going to be ongoing, Um, and it really has to be because it's it's not about winning the election. And just because you lost an election, really doesn't mean anything. When you ran that election, if you got three people to wake up to the real to the reality of the world around them, you had success. Right. Um, If the next time you run, you get ten people, you have success. And if more people are running and they're waking they're waking up the same. That is success, and if you can get it to the point where you're waking up thousands um, or hundreds of thousands, then that's when we're going to start winning elections but you know we we you know nobody wins i mean you know look at um when somebody starts up a business they're not you know businesses are usually operating in the red for for years before they actually start making a profit that's kind of what we're doing here we're starting something new every time a new person comes along and says i want to be a candidate we're starting something new it's not like with the democrats where they say okay yeah this guy will do let's give him all our resources from our you know multi-billion dollar corporation he's just going to be another one of our employees that's running for an office that's not how this works in our party because you know first we well we don't have that kind of money because we don't have favors for sale right right um that's, that's why they have that money It's like, yeah, yeah, we'll take over the government. Um, give us billions of dollars and we'll do whatever you want. Right. Um, and, and we can't do that, of course.
0: Yeah. At the beginning, we talked uh, about the new American dream. Talk to us yeah. about that. So this is basically, you know, we used to have this idea of the
1: American dream where everybody's going to have, you know, their family, their house, the white picket fence, two and a half kids, everything else. Um, this was, this was sold as the American dream. Right. And I want to get back to that because the way, like we were talking about earlier, the way we are now, nobody really owns their homes. Right. We're all, we're all renting. Um, either you're in, you have a lifetime of debt. 87% of America is in debt, um, which, and that's by design because banks, the same way, you know, a, a car company comes along and says, we want every person in America to own a car. So right. that we can sell more cars. A bank comes along and says, We want everybody in America to have a loan because that's right. how banks make money. So right. everybody's in debt. And of course, when you pile all these taxes on top of everybody, it makes it impossible to get out of debt because we're 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 you know, we're treading water just To trying to keep our heads above, and you know, all we're doing is we're working forty hours a week. We're working so hard. We we get this money, we take it home, and it all goes to what debt and taxes. And it's absolutely insane. The taxes make it difficult to to have any disposable income, so we have to borrow money in the first place. The government comes up with all these programs to make it easier for banks to lend money that they don't have, which makes it very tempting for all of us to to take these loans and, and. and basically put our put ourselves into a life of servitude, working right. and working and working just to pay off these debts. Um, it, it's an absolutely insane system, and most of this has to do with government policy. Yes, the, you could argue the banks are evil, um, but ultimately this this is all done through government policy. And if we start getting rid of some of these policies. Uh, we will start to see the debt go away. We'll see that people actually own their homes, they own their land, and they're not—they um, don't have a lifetime of of paying property tax. We'll right. see that when uh, you know when people own their homes and and you know they get old and pass on and they they pass their homes to their children. They're they're not gonna. I mean, imagine if you grew up in a house that was already paid for and you knew when your parents died they'd leave that house for you. right? Right. And you can sell it and move somewhere else or whatever, but you own that house. That's yours. You don't have to work so hard to pay rent because what, I mean, think about it. Most people spend that. That's their biggest expense is rent because nobody owns property and it's impossible to own property because like I said, whether, whether it's in through inheritance and inheritance taxes, they'll take it away through property taxes. They'll take it away. Um, buy and sell a house, capital gains taxes, all the, it's, it's absolutely insane. And they're always taken away, and th- th- there's
0: oh, I lost you still there, all right, so it's recording, I believe, yep, it is all right, sorry about that. We lost you there for a second. I had to switch programs softwares, so let's take the last five minutes here and finish up, so are we, so you're gonna have this information. On tomorrow's on tomorrow's event uh, the taxation is theft fest and how can people again get to this event and what do they need yes. to do
1: so if you go to taxationistheftfest.com, um all the information is there everything is gonna be live stream um, you can register for free and that'll get you all the information that you need to tune in um, and like I said it's, it's gonna be amazing there's gonna be two streams you can choose from um at any time and we just have so many amazing
0: speakers it's gonna be awesome awesome i'll put all that information into the show notes that way people can get to it again again uh, that this episode will be out afterwards but i am excited about it i think i'm gonna piss off my wife and spend a lot of time <laughs> watching it live and uh i think it's gonna be a, a great thing i think what you're doing is great dan uh you know, I've told people in the past I don't necessarily have to agree with everything you uh, do, but the one thing that I do like about people like you and about other libertarians is that that uh, willing to work with people and get everybody to try to meet those common goals um, and you know spread the word of liberty, regardless of what you do, how what your tactics are, we're spreading the word, and that's. I think what matters the most at this point, uh, people need to get educated in it and, uh, and we need to build a a society off of it. So absolutely. So thank you so much for being on uh, the pace of freedom podcast. It's a great honor and privilege to have you on. I hope uh, I can get you on again, maybe after uh, the fest and we can recap on it. Definitely. Yeah, I'm happy to come on anytime. Thanks awesome. for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much.